Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. We're going to continue in our, our family series today. I want, to, I want you to take your Bibles and turn to the book of Matthew, if you will. Um, we're, going to, we're going to kind of come back to the husband and wife uh, today, and uh, we'll be finishing this series next week, but um, specifically communication between the husband and wife. How many of you know that we need some help in that area? It doesn't matter how long we've been married, how old we are, we can all still improve our communication with one another. Um, and we need to be a continual student of good communication uh, because the, the better that goes, the better your marriage goes. The Word of God tells us that uh, in Genesis that Adam, when God created all the world and then He created man in His image and His likeness and He put him in that garden and He commanded Adam, He said, tend and guard this garden. Guard this garden. Keep this garden. What is he guarding this garden from? Well, because there was a thief that was here, a serpent that we know as the devil himself, who would want to try to come and bring chaos to where God brought order. The first three days of creation, God was separating light from dark, and ultimately the the real meaning of light and dark there in the Hebrew is chaos from order. And so God is an agent of order. He's an agent of peace. But the enemy is here to bring confusion and chaos. And so he told Adam, you have to guard this garden from chaos. Do not be an agent for chaos. Well, Adam didn't do it. He, he gave in to the author of chaos, and uh, chaos ensued. Boy, did it ever ensue. But that garden for us today represents our marriages, our families, our children, our relationships. And so we have a, a, a mandate from God to guard our homes, because the thief is in the world today, and his M.O. is to steal and to kill and to destroy, and he wants to do everything he can to bring chaos into your life, and, uh, but you have authority over him. You, you bear the name that is above every name, and he's, God has given you authority over all the power of the enemy so that there's nothing to be afraid of, amen, but to be vigilant and to guard and to guard because he's looking for those opportunities, but there's no reason to fear. Amen. He can't have access if he's not given access. He roams about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. You just keep saying you may not. (laughs) No, you may not. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Well, you know, that response, it's not acceptable. I said, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Is that, huh? As for me and my house. Why don't you say that? As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen. Part of that guard and part of our, what God has given us to tend and to guard is our relationships. You know, um, God has put it in our very DNA. God is a relational God. When it says that, that we were created as men and women created in the image of God and in His likeness. The likeness means personality. I love that. God is a, God is a personality. Yep. Amen. He's not just some robot up there. He's not some distant being up there and who, who, who says everything that we don't understand. Talks over our heads. No, He, he created us to have relationship with us. Yep. And He created us to have relationship with one another. It's, it's, it's in our 
being. It's in us. It's in our spiritual DNA to have relationships. And, and, there, and those relationships can add so much to your life. You know, I heard a quote the other day I thought was pretty true that, that a good friend, having good friends in your life can double your joy and minimize your grief. And, uh, you know, I found that to be true. I have some very dear friends in my life who have helped me to keep my head up and remember the good things in life and help enjoy life together. I thank God for good friendships. And I don't know about you, but the older I get, the more I, the, the, the rarer good friends are. Hmm? These aren't friends who just are friends on social media. Uh, I'm talking about friends, friends who know everything about you and still love you. Still hang out with, still want to be with you. I'm, I'm amazed that Stephen Pilot still wants to be my friend. After all, he knows about me, but he still is. I mean, this guy's a friend. <laughs> I'm just here to tell you today. Matthew 19, let's read this. Look what Jesus says. And he answered and said to them, Have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female? And he said, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. Everybody say one flesh. Verse 6, So then they are no longer two, but one flesh. Not one spirit, one flesh. The marriage oneness is known in the flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. Father, thank you for these next few minutes in the preaching and the hearing of your word. Thank you for the power of of its experience. Your word says, how, how shall they call on Him of whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe on Him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Lord, You've released the preaching ministry in the world today so that people will declare it and people will hear it. And upon hearing it, faith comes by hearing. And when faith comes, anything's possible. Thank you for the victory that we have through our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for the word that it is life to those who find it and health to all of our flesh. So Lord, in this moment, we say, let your word, let the seed of your word that comes forth, let it go deep into our hearts and our very being and produce the kind of life that you want us to have, the good life, the blessed life. In Jesus' name, amen. What God has joined together. Now, in one sense, this has to do with the institution of marriage itself. Where did it come from? How did marriage start? Well, God started it. God designed it right here. Right here. Here's his design. Here's his purpose. That, they, that the man leaves his father and mother and clings to his wife or cleaves to his wife and the two become one flesh. That's the design. And that has a lot. And, and that design produces, hallelujah, reproduction, which produces more of the same kind. He said, be fruitful and multiply. And one of the senses that we have as couples in this relationship that we have, one of the dynamics is our intimacy with one another. And in that intimacy, there is reproduction. But the institution itself is where a man and a woman, as two, then become husband and wife and become one flesh. Let not man separate what God has joined together in the way of the institution of the marriage. Let not man redefine that. Let not man pervert that. Let not man try to tear it up or do away with what God has started because in what God has started, in His design, in His purpose, there is 
peace, there is happiness, there is joy. Everything that you would want your marriage to be. It also has to do with our relationship with one another. He designed you husbands and wives to be joined together in marriage that your marriage lasts as long as you do. Amen. There's the plan. There's the design that you enjoy one another for the rest of your lives. Okay? And that let not man then seek for loopholes or justification to escape or to get out of this marriage or to tear it apart or to find someone else when they've made their promises to, to one already. Now listen, I understand. I get it. I know there are lawful reasons for separation and divorce. I'm not here to speak against those things. I'm simply here to present to you God's design, what his purpose for marriage is, and, and why, why he put us together in the way he did. It's for his purpose and for his pleasure, and it's for our purpose and for our pleasure. And, and if we don't understand, my family, what that design is, if we don't understand what God has done, what God has joined together, that it's Him that's done it, and why He's done it, then it's going to be very difficult for us to expect our marriages to reflect what His design, if we don't know it. You know, I, we continue to see this, this pattern throughout the history of mankind. We see it repeat itself over and over again. When people forget where they came from, they lose sight of where they're going. They, don't, they can't really navigate from a foundation. You can't. You're just kind of out there living aimless. And that's why in this day and age, I'm convinced that we have so much trouble in our country as Americans, so much division, uh, so many wrong expectations of what it means to be an American because there's so much ignorance about what America actually is. Because unfortunately, much of our history is not being taught in our schools and our children are not raised on that foundation of what America is. This is a marvelous, marvelous country. It's the greatest country on planet Earth. And that those documents, those sacred documents, the, the Declaration of Independence and the U.S. Constitution are those things that are insured, help insure, and those that are fighting for it. There are people laying down our lives for this freedom that we live in, that we experience, the free air that we breathe. And yes, somebody... You hear people say, I love America, but if you ask them what it was, many people couldn't really define what it is. I don't know, I was just born here. Well, you ought to get to know why and the nation in which you were born so that you can represent this nation well. So we can't expect people to know really how to intelligently contribute to this great country and its cause and its purpose if they don't know the history. You really can't. You just talk like a fool. We've got plenty of that going around. But then there are also those who do know the history but hate it. So they're working to change it for us to no longer become, be the nation that we were birthed to be. That's a whole different animal. That's, I just call them traitors. They shall be hanged for their crimes. And I will not say I'm kidding. Okay, here we go. If you're going to arrive at a happy and a blessed life, my family, you must know its origin. You must know the purpose. You must know the design. Because we really can't accurately navigate our relationship with one another 
if we don't know the purpose. Just become drifters. Drifters in our relationship. Drifters in our marriage. Just kind of, and our happiness then will kind of depend on things going right. Or our, we'll start to look at our spouse as the one who's the author of our happiness or our demise. Rather than we got to get our hands on the steering. We're not drifting. We're steering through this thing because we understand where we're going because we know where we came from. And God has given us keys. He's given us, he's given us uh, uh, a truth. He's given us ways, tools to be able to navigate this thing, to do it His way, to enjoy it, and to experience its goodness. Amen. Because that's God's plan is for good for you. But outside of that, it's very difficult. It's chaos is what it is. And so one of the, one of the, downfalls, of, uh, or one of the, I, I should say, uh, misguided beliefs, I should say, misguided beliefs about marriage are two people coming together with the idea that they complete one another. There's much dangers in there. It's really actually not fair to expect that from one another. It's not 50%, you make up 50%, and they make 50% up, and together when you get married, you're 100%. You'd be wrong. You'd be deceived if you think that because you're going to put wrong expectations on your spouse when only God is the one who can actually complete you. But when you expect from them what you can only expect from God, you can see how chaos ensues. The Scripture says we are complete in Him. So it's two whole people coming together in the union of marriage, 100% whole in Him. And then, now we're navigating this thing correctly. Now we're coming into God's design and purpose. As I said, we need all the help that we can get. We need His grace and and His love in our marriages. Can I get a good amen? Because there's a lot, people are finding lots of reasons to abandon that institution, finding lots of excuses and reasons. And much of it just has to do with feelings. So much of it has to do with just their emotions in the moment. They don't know how to stand on a true foundation. They just live life by whim. And you cannot approach a marriage on whim. God's order is that the two become one. And chaos is that the two just stay two and continue to pull and push against each other. Um, And that's where so much trouble is. Amen. Are you okay out there? So when it comes to communicating, you know, I... I've communicated, I have that. I've met with, Heather and I have met with married couples many times through the years. It's part of what we do as pastors and to counsel and to, you know, help marriages out, whether they're just starting with premarital counseling or they're, they're, they've been in it for years. You know, I've seen lots of people and heard lots of stories. But one of the common things that I've heard in counseling is we just don't communicate. But you are communicating and not communicating. That's, that's saying something in and of itself, even when you're not, because that's what we're built to do. That's what we're created for. So we're always communicating at some measure. Um, but what we need to learn is that communication is a skill set that has been given to us that we must develop that skill set. It's, it's, not, it's not just a natural gift that, boom, comes on you, and I'm an amazing communicator. Now, there, like, there are some people, as I was saying in the early service, like Faith, who no doubt she's gifted to sing. Some of you are not gifted to sing. 
And the sooner you acknowledge that, the happier your marriage will be. <laughs> yeah. Some things that we're gifted with, but communication, we are gifted in that way that it is God's gift that he created us to be able to communicate, but it is a skill set given to us that he expects us to cultivate. He expects us to work on it, expects us to fine-tune it. Uh, I, uh, <laughs> I found some CDs in my garage some time ago, and um, actually when we were moving at the beginning of this year, and I found the CDs of, of sermons that I had preached. And so I was like, ah, oh, I'll pop this in and listen to it. And the moment I put that CD in, I regretted it. Because I'm thinking, God, that's terrible. Fifteen years ago, I mean, just awful. And I felt like coming to church the next Sunday and just apologizing to all of you who were here then. Uh, but I was giving it my best. But I've learned over time just to continue to be a student of it because I, as a preacher, I've got a tool, and it's called my voice. It's my tool to be able to communicate, and I just happen to be communicating the greatest message anybody can communicate. There's a weight on that. There's a responsibility, not just the privilege, but the weight of the responsibility uh, to study the Word and to rightly divide the Word of truth and then to deliver it in such a way that the hearer will receive it. Um, and that's why I help train up students at Christ for the Nations and teach them homiletics, which is a fancy word for saying the art and science of preaching. And I hope that I've gotten better at this. I think I have. But it's something that you have to work on. You're not just naturally gifted that way. It's a skill that you've got to develop. Amen. So the fact that you're made in God's image and you have a mouth and you have a voice is proof that you can communicate. Amen. So you can get better at it. You can get better. Tell somebody, you can get better at it. If you're not a good communicator, tell them you can get gooder at it. <laughs> All right? As I said before, there's a difference between talking at each other and talking to each other. When you're talking at someone, you're simply just defending your position over and over again and then, and then waiting for your opportunity to speak. You know? You're just listening, listening to it, and then when they go, <gasps> then you just charge right in. Right? Just talking at them. There is no give and take in that. But talking to one another is that you have understanding and you want understanding that you hear to understand. That's what Jesus said, he who has ears to hear. Well, we all have ears that hear, but Jesus is saying he who has ears to hear to understand. Amen. To be quick to listen, slow to speak. That's where the wisdom of God comes in and teaches us that we're going to have to rein our emotions in if you're going to be quick to listen. And slow to speak. It's love and respect for one another that will forge that kind of relationship. And one thing, my family, remember this as believers, this incredible truth that we must always keep in mind is that death and life are in the power of the tongue. Wow. Death and life. Doesn't say they're in the power of God. Doesn't say they're in the power of the devil. It says they're in the power of your tongue. We must remember that and weigh our words and treat them in such a way that we have thought about what we're going to say rather than react 
with words. There are multitudes of people walking around this world, the walking wounded because of words spoken to them. And I know that you can think of words that have hurt you over time. You can also think of words that have built you. Is that right? You know, there, there are some things that people have said to me that actually shifted my course in life. And I'm not talking about just a, a prophetic thing. My high school teacher, Mrs. Betty James, told me when I was a senior in high school that I had a talent for poetry. I had no idea I had a talent for poetry. I was a very insecure kid, very insecure. And one day I wrote a poem and I risked it all and handed it to my teacher for her to see it because she had been trained up in that. It's part of her education was in that. And when she read it, she looked at me and she said, Eric Holler, you have a talent for poetry. And like something went off in me. Something came alive in me. And when I heard her say that I had that, I believed I had it. And that set me on a course for writing worship songs and poems and all kinds of stuff. And somebody spoke those simple words to me. Death and life. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Spend your time speaking life. Amen. And, and when those, 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 those words come to your mind that you know are negative, that you know are full of death, just because they come to your mind does not mean you have to say them. Amen. So don't. Because, because uh, people only have one way to gauge what you're thinking, what you're feeling, is by what's coming out of your mouth. Oh, they know I didn't mean that. No, they don't know that. Because you said it. What, what, what can you expect? What else do you expect them to know? Our words are very weighty. Amen. So if there's any question whether they, they might not catch the meaning, then just don't say it. <laughs> if I were to ask um, married couples here, to, how many married couples are there here today? How many married folks, all right? How many single people are in the house? All right. enthusiastic people, aren't you? On average, this is a, a, a statistic across the board. On average, married couples, if they're told to write down 10 things that they want, most of the time, most of the time, the husband and wife will match up to seven or eight of them. Now try it. Just try it at home maybe this afternoon. Write down what you want. Husband, wife, you write down what you want. I think you'll find that you're really very similar. And so the destination then really isn't what we're fighting over. It's the path to get to the destination is where the fights happen. And our marriages are made up of, I mean, the, the, this, these pathways, are, our relationship has to do with much of our decision-making, right? The decisions that we have to make to help navigate through life together. And God is so gracious and wonderful and a little bit puzzling in this way. When Peter teaches us as husbands to dwell with our wives with understanding. And I told you before, I thought that was a punchline to a joke when I first read it. I'm like, <laughs> that's great. Dwell with them and understand them. I can do, well, really, just one. But, but if he's teaching us that, then there is a way to understand. And we must, as men, as husbands, learn how to understand. And it's not going to be through our logical thinking process. And most of the time... Most of the time, gentlemen, she just needs you to listen. She don't need you to salute, bring solution necessarily. She just needs you to shut your mouth. 
And listen. You look at some of these amens coming out of here. Just want you to listen. She just needs somebody to bounce it off. All right? Because we have a tendency, we want to fix stuff. We don't want to see the damsel in distress. So we want to, hey, well, we could do this with it. Don't, I don't need your solutions. Well, why are you telling this to me? That doesn't make any sense to me. Why are we even talking? Amen. But the decision-making is, is, you've probably found this, if you've been married for any measure of time, that, that sometimes that pathway or that decision, the solution is made up of maybe 70% you and 30% her. Or 90% her and 10% you. Depends on the solution. And God kind of delves out who's got more of it. And, and sometimes it's 50-50. Sometimes it's 60-40. But what's interesting is it's like he, he gives us the information that we need to work together and then just stands back as our Heavenly Father and says, now communicate. Work this out. Because he's a relationship God. And he knows that we need that kind of interaction with one another. And if you'll keep the destination in mind, not necessarily the path. Keep the destination in mind, then, then walking and talking the path will be much easier because you're both heading the same place. All right? Let me give you a word that will help you. A word that changes marriages. I mean changes marriages. It will make you happy. It will bring peace in your marriage, and it is the word compromise. I don't mean compromise your morals. Talking about compromising your way, your opinion. So what if you're right all the time? What have you accomplished at being right when she's miserable? And it can't just be one way. I mean, if your marriage is the way, well, it's my way, that's the way it is. And if it's just one-sided all the time, my family, that marriage is not going to last. Or it will last to the bitter end. Hmm? Amen. This is good, Pastor Eric. I know. Amen. Okay, Let me, let's finish with this scripture, and then I'll let you go today. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. Here's another reason. This is, this is a sombering verse of scripture. It really brings the point home. When I read this slowly, when, it really, when I realized what the context of this was, because we've talked about this, that, you know the term grieving the Holy Spirit? When I was, of course, I was raised in a Pentecostal church, and I heard that phrase a lot. And usually they said you grieve the Holy Spirit if you had to go to the bathroom during service. You know? <laughs> or if you didn't say amen enough. Or, you know, something like that. It was, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Nobody move! But I gotta go, man, I gotta go. I don't want to grieve the Holy Ghost, though. There's nothing like that. Look at this. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth but what is good for necessary edification that it may impart grace to the hearers. Look at the next thing. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Oh, God. This hurts Him when we just let anything fly out of our mouth. How, must, how, how painful it must be for him who lives on the inside of us. Scripture calls us the temple or the house of the Holy Spirit. 
and then to hear our voice on a continual basis speak words of anger and tear someone down and let just anything come out of our mouth. How it grieves him when he is here to help us in our communication, to guide us and we're not looking to him. And he's right here. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Next, verse 31. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. You see the context? He's grieved by what's coming out of our mouth. But I believe the antithesis is true, that he's blessed by what comes out of our mouth too. When edification comes from our mouth, when grace is imparted, when praise is on our lips, the Holy Spirit enjoys that. Don't forget, he is God. He's a very personal God, and He's a God who has feelings. Not only do you hurt someone with your words, you also hurt He who lives inside of you. I don't know what that does for you, but that makes me want to change the way I talk. I don't want to grieve God. I want to bless Him. Think about every day the opportunities that we have in words, the multiple words, the the vocabulary that we have to put it to use for good. To develop that skill of communication, of good communication, necessary edification and grace. Let's pray. Father, thank you for, oh, let me, one more verse. I got to read this last verse. And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another even as God and Christ forgave you. See, you said, be kind to one another, tenderhearted. This all has to do with good speech coming from you. Forgiving one another. Tell them you forgive them. Let them hear it. Don't just walk around the house pouting. There ain't nothing uglier than a grown man pouting. Hey, ladies, it ain't pretty on you either. It ain't pretty on you either. It's really disgusting. It really is. What's wrong? Nothing. No, what's wrong? Nothing. Oh. So you're a baby. I mean, it's not even cute on a three-year-old, much less a 45-year-old. You still love me? Listen, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Forgiving one another. We don't have time to be harboring for unforgiveness, be holding grudges. Listen, we got a world to win. We got a God to bless and to praise. We've got people in our lives that we have just for a short period of time, my family. This life is here and gone tomorrow. We must be kind. Or live in regret. Let's bow our heads for a moment. With every head bowed and every eye closed for just a second. Between me and you and God. Maybe you're here today and you need to take that step of forgiveness. And first, you need to voice that with God. And maybe you need to talk to this person as well. I don't know. That's between you and God. You'll know. He'll guide you. But in this moment, so that you can be free. So that you can come out of bondage because let me tell you some unforgiveness and bitterness 
ain't hurting anybody but you. You're the victim of your own unforgiveness. You're the one who's hurt. You're the one who's bound up in those chains. Listen, just make that choice today. Make that decision today. That you're going to forgive. Well, I don't know how to forgive, Pastor Eric. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. I don't know if I can. Yes, you can. The Scripture says to forgive as He forgave you. That is your ability to forgive. Let's remember, everything that you've done, every failure, every wrong, every sin, He has forgiven all of them. How could we possibly dare harbor anything against anyone when we've been forgiven for so much? There's your ability. Remember what He's done for you. And it's going to have to be not a feeling move, but a move by faith, a choice. Because you can forgive someone even when everything in you is feeling quite different. But when you understand that we don't make decisions, we don't walk by feelings, we walk by faith. So take this step today. If that's you, if I'm talking to you and you feel that in your heart, you know that you need to let this go. You need to stop harboring that thing on the inside and be free. Because you understand today, it's stopped up a lot of stuff in your life. Between me and you in heaven, can you just raise your hand where you are and say, Pastor Eric, please pray for me. I need to let this go. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. This is a great moment for your life. Today, the shackles are coming off. Today, you're going to walk out of here free. 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 Can we all pray this together? Father, I choose to forgive this one. Maybe it's more than one. Just between you and God. I choose from this day forward to live free. I reject bitterness, unforgiveness, And I ask you, God, to heal my wounded heart. Strengthen me. Help me right now. I receive your grace. And I know from this day forward, you're with me. I will not speak badly of this person any longer. I will not let bad thoughts bounce around in my head. I forgive now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now I want you to do one more thing. Right where you're sitting, you who raised your hand, I want you just just between you and God to pray a blessing over that person. We're going to take another step. We're not just releasing. Now we're going to take an offensive step. I want you to just say, Father, I bless them. I pray, God, for health for them. I pray that good things would come into their life. Lord, I thank you for a good future for them. I know, I know this rubs against. Just say it anyway. Just declare it. You'll start feeling a lot better about it because your life follows your words. Amen. Life and death. Choose life in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Thank you for being here today. Let's stand together. I want to speak a blessing over you, and then I'm going to hand the mic off to Kayla uh, to dismiss you with a couple of closing announcements. Amen. Let's lift our hands toward heaven. Now may the Lord bless you.
and keep you and cause His face to shine upon you and all your house and be gracious to you and give you peace in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.